Welcome to the Shaky Experience. My name is James Richard Lane. Today, we'll be speaking volume with Maya of Dirty Projectors and Coco Band. Maya is based in Brooklyn, New York. She is a member of Dirty Projectors since 2018, providing guitar, keys, backing vocals, and lead vocals. Most recently, she sang and co-wrote lyrics for the five EPs compilation. So amazing. I love that EP. Her other project, Coco, just released their new full-length titled Coco, on October 29th, 2021. Also, she is releasing her solo album next year, and I can't wait. Her music has been featured in Rolling Stone, Pitchfork, NPR, Pace Magazine, and more. She has toured across the world and will be performing next at Zebulon in LA, November 12th. Without further ado, Maya, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So last year, you sang and co-wrote tracks on the five EPs compilation with Dirty Projectors. Walk me through that experience and what it was like writing parts of that record. Yeah. Um, So Dave, uh, well, we had just finished like a year and a half of touring the Lamplet Prose record. And we were talking about recording some new music. Dave sent me a bunch of songs that he had sort of sitting in his like his song archive, like the vault, um, and asked if I would choose my favorites from the bunch. Some, some of them were like a little bit further along, but I think the first one that we started working on was Overlord my favorite was guarding the baby and or no 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 sorry the first one that i started working on was actually search for life that was like the fir- i think the first song that he had sent me and oliver who's in coco with me he wrote and arranged the strings for search for life and so oliver had already recorded strings on that song um so it was really cool to be able to work on that song sort of like indirectly with Oliver. And this was before Coco was even uh, formed. So um, yeah, uh, sometimes writing lyrics feels a little bit like pulling teeth. And uh, it was really fun to work with Dave on the lyrics for those four songs. That's so cool that both of your projects got to work together. That must have been like extra fun, just having all your friends collaborate and work on music that you're all enjoying and like writing together. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Dave, Dave and Oliver had collaborated a little bit before. So that that was cool. Like having that overlap. I love that. That's the best. Where did you find yourself mentally, physically, and emotionally while writing some of these lyrics? Well, Literally, physically, I was in LA <laughs> um, at Dave's studio at the time, which was called Ivo Shandor. And yeah, we were in uh, in his studio in LA, sitting mostly on the floor, which is like always my favorite place to be when I'm like writing and painting and sort of doing like any creative thing. Um, and as far as mentally, uh, I was very challenged and stretched. I mean, like I said, writing lyrics, I think sometimes can feel a little bit like pulling teeth. Um, But I was also really excited to be collaborating with Dave and very joyful and very inspired because, because I love, I love his lyrics and the way that he thinks about lyric writing is like, it's a, it's new for, it was, it was new for me as far as like my own practice of lyric writing. So I learned a lot. 
within that album, it walks through so many emotions, at least for me as a listener, you know, going from Overlord and just having that being the second track on the album. It's just such a amazing song. I, I don't I don't feel like I have the words to kind of express how much I love that song. And when I first heard it, I felt an instant deep connection almost on the level of something like the Beatles, for example. Like it just felt like a song the Beatles would write like way back in the day, you know, just like connecting with the audience and just really expressing like a certain type of message of coming together, unity. It also sort of in a way kind of reminds me of stoicism a little bit. In that sense, I kind of mean it feels as if there's like this message being conveyed of there's no time to like waste here why bother about the adversities going on and just kind of like this confident stay positive attitude and i'm not sure if that was my personal feelings or if, or if that kind of came across within your writing style as well but it's just something i've i've certainly really enjoyed well, it's really nice to hear and i'm glad that that that's like what you took from it and and i think i mean that just speaks so much to dave's gift you know songwriting gift he he wrote this the, the musical part of the song and be, so being able to sing on top of all of that was a was a real um honor for me so yeah what would you say are some of your fondest memories working on this release mm. i really loved recording vocals with dave and working through yeah working through recording vocals with dave we recorded them at his studio, Ivo Shandor in LA. I think that he, he, well, he was very supportive while recording. He knows how to get a good performance out of somebody, to get a strong performance out of somebody. And I think how to get a good performance while also not being too precious about it. And so like helping to create a relaxed environment. And we were just working one-on-one. So it was just nice to have that intimate kind of experience i imagine that he just has like a lot of plants just in his studio and just like a really good feel like hearing you kind of talk about having feel good moment there like sitting on the ground and stuff it it gives me like a meditative vibe almost and uh i appreciate that it's it's given me a great visualization of what it could possibly be <laughs> yeah we definitely strive for grounded centeredness as much as possible (laughs) (laughs) speaking on your releases you most recently released the album coco with your band coco what would you say are some of the differences within the writing style and sound of this album compared to your other projects coco is deeply informed by the other people in coco with me dan malad and oliver hill it's a project that's fully democratic we share all writing musically, lyrically, recording-wise, it's very collaborative. And so I think that Coco is pretty deeply imbued with like the essence of the three of us together. Um, Dirty Projectors is really the, the like brain, heart, soul child of Dave. So when I'm doing Dirty Projectors stuff, it really feels like I get to dive into the dive in and immerse myself in the musical world and language of Dave. And as far as my own music, I write sometimes 
fully by myself. Uh, so it's so it's like that the songs have my full essence, and then I also really really love to collaborate. So yeah, they they sort of are imbued with any other person I'm working with. And my the new song that's out, where the rocks are, I worked very closely with my friend Tom Dice. So that song is really uh, ha- has Tom Dice's essence in in it. Oh man, and I am very excited about that. I actually got to listen to that track and uh, watch the video. Just so peaceful. It almost gave me sort of the impression of your life, maybe in California. It seemed like maybe there could be some like influence in there. At least when I listen to music, I sort of picture of where the artist is coming from and like where the writing and influences came from. And it was exciting because knowing that you just signed with this record label and the the video and the song is out now. What are the details that you can tell us about this upcoming release? Oh, yes. Well, yes. I've So I've signed, I signed with Last Gang, which is very exciting. They're a record label that uh, began in Toronto. They've been very, very supportive. They're a wonderful home for my new music. So I feel really excited about working with them. What can I share? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have a bunch of new songs that are going to be coming out next year. Um, (laughs) I got to work with, so so I made a music video to pair with the song. I got to work with this really wonderful director named V. Haddad. And um, Emily Sprague was the cinematographer. A friend named Felix Walworth was the assistant uh, camera person. And so I worked really closely with them on the video and the concept. And then as far as this song, it was engineered by Dan Malad who is also in Coco with me. Oh, fun. So engineered by Dan Malad, um, written collaboratively with Tom Dice and mastered by Taylor Dupree, mixed by D. James Goodwin. Yeah. All the shout outs. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's important to me that people know, you know, who who else is involved because it, it is, like I said, a very collaborative process. Yeah, absolutely. During all this time during COVID, I know it it was really tough for a lot of people and the pandemic, especially with writing and putting together new material and just sometimes even staying in touch. I mean, I know a lot of people went through kind of more of a harder time and some dark times sort of going with those experiences. But I saw that you are actually about to perform a few live shows, one coming up in Los Angeles that I was mentioning. And then I believe that I saw another one in New York as well, which I am hoping to make. Will you be doing any upcoming tours with any of your projects within the foreseeable future other than these few shows? Yeah. Coco, yeah. So Coco has a show in LA, November 12th at Zebulon, and then in Brooklyn, November 16th at Union Pool. And we're sort of thinking of these as like the release parties, just cool. since we've all been so separate. I think we just like wanted to try to have some celebration just to honor what we made. You know, it's like when, when it's all just online or like on our phones, it feels very 
detached, I think. And, and the way that we feel connected is really being able to play, play for people, collect, connect with listeners. And yeah, so there's that. And then in February, 2022 and March, I'm going to be on tour with my solo project opening for the staves, mm. which is a, a band from, I think they're from the UK. Oh my God. I cool. need to know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're going to be uh, touring in the U S a little bit in Canada. And so I'm, if all goes well, COVID wise, um, going to be opening for them. I've missed going on tour myself and I've missed also watching other bands tour. And I don't know if you feel this way as well, but one of my favorite things on going on tour is visiting as many vegan restaurants as I possibly <laughs> can. <laughs> Amazing. Are you vegan? I'm borderline. I'm vegetarian, okay. so close to the cusp of vegan. Yeah. But yeah. That's amazing because I also really love to visit, like to try out different vegan foods um, around the country and the world. Cause I feel like it's a food where there's, there's so much like uh, innovation and experimentation because of the limitations. <laughs> um, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. And once again, knowing that you grew up in California, I'm sure you guys had like the best vegetables and like the best produce growing up. So anytime that I can go out to the West coast, I am totally taking up that offer just to get some like really good avocados or something. Oh yeah. 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 Fresh, fresh foods is yeah. Being, being from California, I was very lucky to. <laughs> so talking a little bit about your history and being from California, what made you interested in becoming a musician in the first place? I don't think that I consciously chose to become a musician. I think that it just um, happened. I, yeah, I, I don't think that. Um, I think that I actually fought against it a lot. I like I've I've um I mean just because some it, it can be it can be unstable, you know. Um I think that I spent a lot of time looking for other like well not careers but just paths for myself. Um for a while I really wanted to be a tattooist, so I worked in a tattoo shop with mm -hmm. this tattooist named Jean Coffee in Brooklyn and then that didn't quite feel right. I worked as a private chef for an artist named Carol Beauvais in her studio working for her um, like all of her fabricators and I think the whole time in the back of my mind music was really calling to me um, so I would like do some music and then take a break and do something else and then come back to music and um, I think that I just couldn't I couldn't not do music really yeah it's yeah. it's funny once you start it's it's kind of hard to stop right <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I think if that like resonates as a way to express yourself and share an experience with other people it, it's very powerful being able to find that medium in expressing yourself is such a blessing in so many ways just because I feel like there are some people that it takes a lot of time to find like that form that allows you to kind of like convey your feelings and your emotions. And hearing you share that story just now, going from tattoo artist to chef, I feel like there has been kind of a trail of artistic expression. I mean, of course, tattooing is an art as well as I think culinary is honestly an art myself. And Definitely. hearing you sort of having that trajectory is seems like it was meant to be. And in a lot of ways it was just a, a steady like build up you know yeah. so, so 
What have been some of your biggest music inspirations, especially in your early days? Oh my God. So like endless, endless inspiration from so many different people. I grew up around a like very eclectic music collection, which in my day as a kid, it was a CD collection, which like, you know, this doesn't exist as much anymore. But so I grew up around like a lot of classic rock from my dad. So he really liked like the Beatles, Cream, Rolling Stones, Blind Faith. And then there was a lot of like traditional instrumental music, like traditional Indian music, like Celtic harp music. And then I started to get into like Nirvana, um, Elliot Smith. I really love Jeff Buckley. I think like his, his voice really called to me. The purity of Judy Collins, who has had a really long career, but sang a lot in the 60s and 70s. Songwriting of Leonard Cohen. Yeah, amazing lyricist who inspires me endlessly. And uh, also like seventh grade, very into Cheryl Crow, who I am still deeply awed by. I think she is insanely talented. Um, And then sort of like into high school and college was when I started to be really called to Radiohead, which is like, I think my, I mean, I just love every thing they do i think they just put like their whole catalog on their website or something like that. wow wow yeah yeah i just i love i love the music i love tom york's voice it like it it just is um yeah very very and very uh influential and i i have to say also that I'm like very significantly inspired by my peers, my friends and music. I think that's sort of the, like the biggest inspiration is seeing friends play music and write new songs and put out records and like fl- flowing with the, the cr- flowing in the current with them, I think is, has been pretty big. Yeah. I love that. And I completely understand where you're coming from, especially the influences that you mentioned, Beatles, Rolling Stone, Nirvana, and also CDs. I mean, I'm so yeah. on board the CD train yeah. bill. <laughs> yeah, my first CD that I ever bought for myself with my like my um chore money was um Ricky Martin's Live in La Vida Loca. Or is it just La Vida Loca? <laughs> yeah, first CD purchased Ricky Martin. I love that so much. That yeah. makes me so happy. <laughs> oh. You know, it's funny because like you you can have like the image or like the mindset of what an artist might listen to or might be like or something like that. And I would have never guessed that. Like watching the Overlord music video, I would have never thought like her first CD was the Ricky Martin Olivia right. Loca. Yeah, and I think I mean I must have been in fifth grade or something, you know, like yeah. fifth grade me was into Ricky Martin. One thing that you mentioned within that catalog of artists and bands that you were listening to that really got my attention was the native sounds. Did did I hear that correctly? Was that was it like an Indian style sound or something? Oh well, I, no. I mean, yeah. My parents had a lot of CDs of like Ravi Shankar, like traditional Indian raga music, and. For, for some reason, I had a lot of like Celtic harp 
music. Cool. Um, yeah, there were there were a lot of the like Ethiopics sort of genre music genre in my household growing up. That sounds really fascinating. I I would be so intrigued to hear that. I was in Santa Fe and I was about to run this race, and I remember I was sitting in the car because it was absolute freezing before the race started. And there was some like indigenous native music being played on NPR at like 5 a.m. And I was listening to it and it made me so excited. I had like so many emotions kind of running through my body listening to it and just sort of hearing like you talk about listening to more of a unique sound similar to that. I can, I feel like I can see some correlation possibly from like Radiohead to also maybe something similar as that, as well as some of your other influences. It it checks out. I love it. So if you could illustrate your dream scenario of you performing anywhere with anyone, possibly one of those musicians, what would that look like? Well, I think in many ways, and I, I, I really count my blessings. I feel like I like have lived and am living some of my dream scenarios. I think being able to play with Dave and Dirty Projectors was very meaningful for me as far as the like the arc of my career. His music has just been very God, I can't yeah, I didn't I didn't even mention that as like being influential, but yeah, very fulfilling and satisfying to be a part of that project to stretch my own abilities musically. I think forming Coco with Danny and Oliver, who are two musicians who I admire and respect so much and have for so many years. Um as far as things that haven't happened yet, I really love um Meg Duffy's music. Their project is called Hand Habits. It would be a big dream and honor to collaborate with them. Um, And luckily we're friends. So I think that that actually might be possible. (laughs) Um, I love Jim Jarmusch, the the director. I feel, and and he has a band called Squirrel, which I love so much. It would just be like a huge bucket list check mark to to like be able to do something with him whether it's like on one of his movies scoring or playing with like singing in squirrel or yeah so, something something with Jim Jarmusch. this is it if he's listening you know <laughs> yeah. it is the calling the signal yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, what style is that I I'm like curious now oh uh, like Jim Jarmusch style Jim Jarmusch gosh okay it's a uh, Ooh, Jim, I don't want to mislabel you if you if you are listening, fingers crossed. Um, 60s psych. Oh wait, hold on. Let me let me think about this. Let me get hold on. It's like 60s psychedelic rockabilly hypnosis. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, th- I mean, I think that he um yeah yeah okay (laughs) okay i i like it especially the hypnosis part that's polarizing that feels very polarizing in some ways oh gosh i don't know i think it's very inviting personally but i I mean i want to be hypnotized i i'm i'm like curious now it that gives me the impression that if I listen to him, I'm going to listen to him on repeat for a very long time, hopefully. Yeah. 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 He has a band called Squirrel and they, they, um, 
they score a lot of his movies. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like very like Wanda Jackson era. Mm, that, that is, that's a, that's a good take. I, I like that. So we were mentioning earlier a little bit about Coco and Dirty Projectors. I was wondering, how did you get involved with Dirty Projectors? And what were some of the feelings going into that, joining the band? Date, let's see. I, well, I was working at this tattoo shop in Brooklyn in 2012. And uh, prior, so prior to this, okay, hold on. Let me, let me, let me start that again. <laughs> it, so in 2011, I played and performed in a band called Bobby with uh, Tom Greenberg, Martin Zimmerman, and Paolo Menuez. And we toured uh, in the U.S. and we played a couple of shows with Nat Baldwin, who has been the longtime bass, bass player in Dirty Projectors. And so Nat and I became friends and maintained contact after these tours. And in 2012, uh, I got an email from Dave because there was a tour coming up. So this was, this was for Spinglo Magellan mm. or Magellan. Oh my God. Oh, I don't that album. Know. Magellan such a good one. Uh, yeah. Such a beautiful yeah. record um, that there was a tour coming up starting in the spring, late spring of 2012. And I think that Dave must've gotten my name from Nat as a recommendation. They were looking for someone to hop on, uh, keys singing because I think Angel Deradorian was stepping down from the band um, to focus on her own music. I was so excited and uh, we met and I think that they, he ended up uh, hiring Olga Bell to play keys, which I think was an amazing decision because she's insanely talented. And I think actually was, was like in, in the overall scheme of things, I, I don't think I was actually like musically prepared at that time to play because it does require a lot of pretty intense dedication um, to learning all the music and mastering the, you know, the, the parts and everything. So many years passed, I think it was six years later in 2018, or maybe it was at the end of 2017, I got another email from Dave actually like responding in the same email thread from 2012 <laughs> saying, wow. like, saying like, okay, it's time. There's another record coming out in spring of 2018. There's a tour. Would you have any interest and availability in playing? And I was like, I'm doing this. It's I'm like <laughs> yes. gonna ha- make it happen this time. So we met, we played a little bit together. I don't think that he knew that I played guitar, but I played him a song that I had written and he like re recategorized me in the like can play guitar category of um, musicians that he was talking to. And I just worked really hard and learned all of this material and, and that's how it happened. Yeah. That's incredible. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Going back to email chain from like way back in the day, you never know. Yeah. I know 2012. Yeah. Six or so six years after that was when that um, unfolded. So with all that work and like just putting in the effort and the time and the commitment, what did that kind of look like? I mean, memorizing the songs and piecing things together, your writing style, what was some of that process like for you and what continued that drive for you to make that a reality? Um, yeah, it was a lot of <laughs> practicing. Um, 
I think that I had about three months to learn a catalog of about 35 songs. Wow. Um, we were sent sessions, so Pro Tools sessions. So we were able to listen to stems. So that's how we learned vocals. Like all of the vocal parts and the harmonies was listening, listening to stems, practicing with lyrics. Um, luckily, at the, at the same time, two other musicians were hired along alongside me. So, uh, and they were two other uh, women from New York City who I knew previously. So we, I was really, really lucky that we got to get to we we got together a lot to run over vocals and learn harmonies together. So that was like a big, big advantage to like already have these relationships with these people. That that's Felicia Douglas and Kristen Slip were the other musicians yeah that were hired alongside me and as far as guitar I mean Dave's Dave's guitar style is like fully truly in his own language it's it I think it was sort of like learning another language um and it was just like repeating these lines over and over for like 10 hours a day practicing and um I think like what what drove me to work so hard was the stress, fear, and anxiety of like showing up for rehearsal in LA, having our first shows, and the like possibility of not being able to play them properly. I think motivated me to like work my ass off to really. Can I say that? Yeah. This oh yeah, you're okay. totally good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it was. Um, it was a very, to, to be honest, a very stressful time because I really wanted to do the music justice. You were talking a little bit about the stress and sort of like the work that went into that. What were some of the ways that you were coping with that stress at the time? Were you dating anyone? Did you have any pets to comfort you? Yeah. What 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 did that sort of look like? I wish that I had a pet. Oh God, if, if only I could. Um, uh, yeah, I think I, I still, I don't have any pets now. I really want to have like a, I would love a cat. I would love a dog. But I think with such like an itinerant lifestyle, I just feel like it would be irresponsible to have, you know, another creature to take care of when I, when I wouldn't be able to commit, you know, reg- to, to full-time taking care of them. Yeah. Um, oh God. I was doing a lot of meditating. I think that that was the only thing that could like reset my anxiety I took a lot of baths baths are very effective way of coping with stress for me so a lot of baths candles incense taking breaks I actually my like method of practicing was that I would set timers for myself to like focus really intensely for an hour the timer would go off I would get up maybe go outside for 15 minutes and then come back and sort of set it up again so that it wasn't just this like endless, endless hours of practicing. I had like very kind of, um, you know, or- organized uh, time limits for myself. I like that. That that sounds like a great tip, honestly, just like sort of have like a chronological order of like how you're able to kind of put all the work in one category and then put your self-care in another category that that seems very important so yeah it can you can like one can really drain from from the other i think um do you remember your first live performance with dirty projectors and what that was like yes i do 
Yes, I do. Uh, it was terrifying. It was um, May. It was in May of 2018, like early May 2018. We had been rehearsing in LA at, at Dave's studio, Ivo Shandor. And our first show was at the Music Box in San Diego. Oh my God. I was, I was completely terrified. I felt like the whole show, I was like juggling 20 balls in the air, hoping that like none of them would drop, but definitely many, many of them did. And I think that like, luckily everyone in the band was in the same position, even Dave, like, you know, what he's playing while singing is, it's crazy. It is so high level challenging. And so I think that like the, the one thing that was really uh, soothing was knowing that we were all in it together. So yeah, that was the first show. The second show we played in Arizona at this festival called Arcosanti, which is such an amazing festival. I really recommend going if you ever can. And then, uh, and then our third show was at um, the Mohawk in Austin, Texas. And I think like those three shows the, those felt like the kind of like the first. And then after those shows, it, it everything kind of started to settle into our bodies, turn into muscle memory a little bit more. Oh, wow. What a, <laughs> what a journey. What a journey playing like, especially I would imagine, you know, Dirty Projectors, he's been around for a while now. I mean, he's been releasing music since I want to say like early 2000s, possibly. And kind of going into that vibe, that situation, that feels like just such a established, well-known act. And now you are really a face of the band. When I think of Dirty Projectors, I, I think of you and Felicia and him primarily, honestly. And um, it's incredible to hear the journey that you went through, just experiencing that. I guess reflecting on that too, kind of taking a moment to like step back and just realize how far you've come is, it, it, it must feel somewhat rewarding, I would imagine. It does. And it's, it's, it's fun. I mean, I'm, thank you. That's very kind. And also, you know, when we were, when we're like in our lived experience, I think sometimes it can be challenging to step back and like re recognize your accomplishments and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Very cool. So touching on dirty projectors, I have kind of a fun question for you. If there was a movie or television show that encapsulates the band as dirty projectors, like your like energy and just like how you interact together or book book is fine too. What would you say would most represent that? <laughs> oh my God. Um, <laughs> or TV show or book that encapsulates what it's like to be in dirty projectors. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, definitely a comedy because we have a lot of fun together and we are extremely goofy and silly, <laughs> which I think speaks to how close we all are together. I think like it's, it's a, it's a true family feeling. Um, okay. Comedy surrealist. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Oh my God. The, this is going to be hard because my memory is like, okay, sur magical, okay, surrealist, magical realism. Okay. I'm feeling like something by the, oh my God, what is this movie? It's with Gabriel Garcia Bernal. It's about dreaming. 
this you're, like you're, I think this is going to have to be a looked up. Yeah, we'll, we'll come up. back to it or look it up later or something like yes. that. Yeah, okay, but it's a comedic surrealist magical realism philosophical obstacle course. What a funny one! I like that. That's really yeah. good. Okay, that encapsulates all of those things. That's what it is. <laughs> you, you use some fun adjectives. I really enjoy the adjectives you use. Those, those good. You, you just saying that it reminded me of like something like the Magic School Bus kind of. Oh, okay, yeah. I loved. I mean, I read those books as a kid, and I don't know if you knew this, but it was a TV show. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. This is hence why you're recommending. Yes. Yeah. So good. So let's continue the fun questions while we're at it. So I am going to say a phrase and you tell me the first thing that comes to mind. So here we go. Okay. I'm ready. David Longstreth. Fingers. Guitar neck. (laughs) Nice. Or snack. Hummus. Ooh, yes. Good choice. Good choice. There, I said it. (laughs) I mean, Dave. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, okay. Encore song. Ooh, um, Rise Above. Okay, all right then. Music festival. Arcosanti. Flower. Ranunculus. And lastly, music video. Oh, well, I have to plug my own music video here. Uh, The music video directed by V Haddad for my song, Where the Rocks Are. All right. Love it, love it, love it. So good. I'm dying to know on a personal level. I just got to ask, what was it like doing the Overlord video? I loved shooting the Overlord music video. It was an amazing experience. Dave directed the video it was shot by an incredible director of photography, cinematographer named Ben Carey. He's extremely talented. It was all shot on film. So the takes felt very precious. Like we really had to nail them. We were shooting in all public spaces. Oh my God, should I even be saying this? Well, we were stealing shots. I'm I'm making quotation marks with my fingers (laughs) right now, Um, which means that we had to practice the shots without the camera, get the frame completely in place, get all of the lighting uh, figured out. So Ben was doing all of this, um, you know, with his uh, lighting meter. (laughs) (laughs) And so everything had to be completely planned out, choreographed, so that when it was time to shoot, we would run in, get the shot, run out, pause for like 15, 20 minutes, make sure that we weren't seen, do it again, run in, get the shot, run out. It was in... I think we were shooting in February or early March, 2020, prior to the pandemic, as you know, as far as we knew, Um, it was freezing, like in the high 20s, I think. And I just felt really, really lucky to be working with everybody and making this thing. And they had scouted these incredible locations really beautiful places all over New York City, very like iconic locations. Yeah, I think I recognized a few of them, actually. That sounds like so much fun, by the way, being sort of 
I don't even know, like mischievous, maybe just like running oh, totally. in, running out sort Definitely. of. Definitely, Yeah. And uh, the whole crew had to be like completely on board with this. The producer um, is this woman named Miranda and she killed it, completely <laughs> killed it. Cause she was sort of acting as like foil for like security cards and stuff. <laughs> Yeah. Incredible. And also hearing you say feeling lucky to do that. That's, that's so awesome. You know, in a lot of ways, I feel like this year has been the best year of my life. I also acknowledge that it's been a very tough year for a lot of people, but I've had the opportunity to interview so many artists that are my absolute favorite artists of all time. And just other things that I've gotten to do within the year and just like reflecting on that and looking back and realizing like how lucky I am and how lucky you are and just as like mm-hmm. artists and entrepreneurial spirits, like these adventurers that just go out and just give it a shot, see what happens. Yeah. I, I, I love that. Let's get into some underrated questions now. Mm-hmm. What would you say is the most underrated song to you that you have ever written? The most underrated song to me that I've ever written? Yeah. Or, or you could, you could say that, or the other one caveat, what is the most underrated dirty projector song to you? Oh, okay. Okay. So I, uh, I have had, I had, have had a band called Uni Ika Ai. Okay. This was a band that I played in with Tom Dice, who is one of the people that I collaborated on where the rocks are, the new song that's out um, of mine. This was a song that I I didn't write this song. He wrote it actually, but it was on an Uniika I record, which which was our band together, and it's it's the song on um, our record called Zen Squid. Zen Squid. I, yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. I sang the song using a vocoder and the way that it worked was that I was, I was, uh, had a vocoder effect on my vocals. Tom was playing the keys, which, uh, the, the, the notes that he was playing on the keys, it, it chooses the notes that, um, like the, the vocoded vocal chooses. Does that make sense? I think so. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, and uh, yeah, he wrote this like poem about a Zen squid. Um, and Whoa. I just, loved, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. And I love the, um, I love the chords and the melody of the, the song and the lyrics. And um, we recorded it with D. James Goodwin at his studio called The Icecon in Woodstock. Um, it's a song that I love so much. And I think one that is, isn't really known very much at all, ex- except for the like diehard, you know, uh, fans of Unika Ai. But yeah, that's, that's my answer. Now I think anyone that's listening, that's going to be a deep dive right there. But yeah. I, I, I'm going to try to find that one actually, just because oh, I really like cool. the title. So, you know. Well, yeah. And there's a music video that I made to go along with it. Um, that I made with my friend Alex Monroe featuring Emily and her sister Elanor. They're both dancers and it's it's just the two of them dancing together. And it's I think it's really special getting to see these two sisters dance together. Is that on YouTube? Yeah. Okay, awesome. I'm going to check that out. That sounds great. What is the criminally most underrated album of all time? 
Oh my gosh. Okay, wait. I'm going to have to look this up. Okay, okay. yeah. All good. Okay. I okay. I seriously appreciate your participation. You're going above and beyond right here, which is great. <laughs> Hold on. It's this record. It's so good. I don't know if I can call this uh, um underrated because it's a Neil Young record and like nothing oh. Young is underrated. But it's a record that I didn't know about and I heard a couple years ago and it's it's called Live Rust. Live Rust. Okay. Yeah, it was a it's a live album from 1979 by Crazy Horse and Neil Young. Ooh. Oh my god, it's either that or it's live at Massey Hall, 1971. Okay, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do double double. There you go. I like it. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. But again, like, can I even say that that's underrated? It's Neil Young. I mean, no, no, it's fine. It's okay. fine. I, I like it. It's a good answer. What, what makes it so special to you, though? There's just something about the, the energy and the performance. I mean, I think capturing live performance is really hard. And that, like, for whatever reason, th- these recorded performances just, like, really... I think hit home. Okay. Yeah. Who are some underrated musicians that everyone should be checking out right now? Again, I'm not sure that they're underrated, but there's a band based out of Chicago called Ohm. It's spelled O-H-M-M-E. It's led by Seema Cunningham and Macy Stewart. They are incredible musicians. They just are a force. I'm always in awe of them. And so there's one, um, again, I don't know if I can call them underrated, but I love the band Ava Luna based out of Brooklyn. Hmm. They, they have written some of my favorite songs. Felicia Douglas, who plays in Dirty Rejectors, is also an Ava Luna. That's one of her bands. Oh, there's a record. I love it so much. It's so this is a cover record. It's a cover record. It's called Peter Broderick and Friends Play Arthur Russell. It's so good. It's such an amazing interpretation of all of these Arthur Russell songs. And I feel like it's a really amazing way for people who may not know who Arthur Russell is to discover some Arthur Russell songs that have been recorded contemporarily. <laughs> yeah. Contemporarily? <laughs> is that the word? Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going to check these out. You were giving me some deep cuts right here. I haven't heard of a lot of these. So I'm yeah. excited. Name a band or artist that you believe is the best live show you have ever seen. Oh, man. I mean, okay, I have two answers. Oh, my God. I have actually so many. Right on. Um, number one, uh, I was on tour with Dirty Projectors in Japan. We played a festival called Fuji Rock, which is a beautiful festival in the summertime. That's uh, It's like held on a ski resort. It's really crazy. Right before our set on the like the, the the big stage, Bob Dylan played, and it he played to like oh my god a sea of people. It was dark, and people were like you know like holding up like match uh, uh, lighter had their like lighters lit. He was insanely amazing. His band sounded incredible. He was standing at a grand piano, and he was wearing pants with white stars down the side like the side of the legs 
you know, of, of each of his pants. And he was like standing at the p- the grand piano. It was so amazing. I mean, I think it was just like the combination of where we were, being in Japan. It was incredible. So that's one. Number two, again, on tour with Dirty Projectors, we were playing Corona Capital Festival in Mexico City, and we got to watch the Strokes play. They were incredible. So tight, perfect performance, so much energy. It was amazing. Mind-blowing. Amazing. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Another another one. I actually didn't get to see the performance because there was another festival performance that we saw. Um, again on tour with Dirty Projectors. Love it. We played um, um oh my god, what is it called? It's a festival in Barcelona. Oh, uh, Primavera. Primavera. Yeah. yeah, we played yeah. Primavera. So I didn't actually get to see the show because the performance was at 3 a.m. and I was asleep. Um, but I got to see the re- the sound check and rehearsal of FKA Twigs. Interesting. Okay, yeah. She was playing on this. She was headlining the stage that we were playing. And it was just an extreme. It was only the rehearsal. They weren't even like full out performing. They were just kind of blocking. But it was insanely beautiful because she has she has dancers she she is a dancer they were these dancers performing with her the set with all of these musicians on these risers and it was stunning it was just stunning and very moving to see like such a powerful performance even just in a sound check i love that that sounds so rad i i think she performed like this outdoor pier in Baltimore and I got to catch some of her set from the other side of the pier which is like free yeah it was sold out so I was like standing there and it was it was quite the show she definitely puts on a performance but speaking on shows and performances if you could have any musician past or present cover a song of yours which musician would it be and what song would it be so many answers to this question i mean tom york yeah (laughs) duh why'd you even ask james (laughs) yeah tom york i just his voice really moves me tom york maybe yeah what maybe maybe tom york singing where the rocks are from from my new record i can see it Um, that's not too far off honestly that sounds like it could happen but like i could just go i could answer that question for for a long time because there are so many musicians i would be deeply honored to even know you know (laughs) any of my music so who's been your favorite musician to go on tour with definitely cannot pick favorites (laughs) okay that's fair yeah i mean yeah touring with dirty projectors is so much fun we all get along so well um i love playing i sometimes i play with um, a woman named hannah cohen um leonard cohen's daughter no 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 unrelated Hannah Cohen. I mean, I, I actually have to add her record to my underrated records list. Um, I think her record is called Welcome Home. It's so beautiful. I love playing in her band because I love her songs so much. Um, I loved playing with my friend Alex Sauzermonic. Her project is called Daughter of Swords. Love yeah. it. What is the most unique place you've ever performed? 
Good question. I have to like really reach into my memory. I think like the year and a half off from touring, like, you know, being quarantined in the pandemic, I think has made my touring life, performing life feel very far away, like feels very distant. Oh, actually... Actually, yes, yes. Okay. This wasn't a show. This wasn't a show. It was um, <laughs> it was a music video shoot that actually was. N- it never came out. It was never finished. Um, with dirty projectors. Okay. We okay. Were, we were in Colorado, and we drove. We we had to park at the bottom of this mountain and be like shepherded up in these jeeps carrying all of our gear. Oof. And keep in mind, we were touring with a Rhodes, a Wurlitzer. We had so much gear. We we drove all of this gear up to the top of this beautiful mountain in the middle of the woods. And we had to cart all of our gear sort of like up and over this mountain and then down a hill on, wait, what are they called? RTV? No, ATVs. ATVs, yeah. ATVs set up our gear on top of this mountain with a vast overlook it was insanely beautiful the sun was setting and we were shooting this video performing without it nothing was like plugged in or anything we had to like it was hard to get everything in sync because we were spaced so far out and then the atv wheel got blown out on one of the rides carting the gear back up the mountain so we had to hand carry all of our gear back up this mountain to be able to take it back down to where the bus was and it was this was like going into like 11 p.m like midnight hand carrying our gear up this mountain it was it was pretty memorable (laughs) wow that that sounds pretty wild and you know i lived in denver for quite a few years and uh you know those mountains are pretty steep so that's that sounds like quite the challenge intense (laughs) (laughs) what is your favorite lyric or verse that you have ever contributed to or have written i think right now it's um contributing to one of the songs on the new on the coco record that just came out it's a song called eleanor it's the second to last song on the record it's sung by danny dan malad he wrote the song and oliver and i and danny um wrote the lyrics together it's about his niece his newborn niece eleanor and should i say it please i would love that okay Oh, it's so beautiful though when Danny sings it. It's just like so raw and vulnerable. It just makes me want to cry. Um, okay, it goes like this. Day comes slowly on. I am riding alone along the waking dawn for Eleanor. You're here and gone. Lie up silver coin, light up the way home. Oh, Eleanor. That's beautiful. That was really nice. Yeah, there's something about I don't know, like the imagery. I just imagine someone walking along the crest of a mountain. It's, yeah. Anyway, that, that, I think. Day and night part, that that was like really touching as well for me. It really stood out. Yeah, right. It's like honoring this new life. So my final question here is, who should I have on my show next? Oh, (laughs) um, 
like uh, there's just a million people. I mean, Oliver, Oliver and Coco, he has a project called Dust Rider, really beautiful. Um, Danny from Coco has his own project called Chimney. Yeah, so like Oliver just, Oliver, Oliver plays with so many people. He's, he's kind of like a multi-dimensional musician. Danny plays in so many projects and he engineers and produces a lot. Um, Meg Duffy from Hand Habits. Opal Hoyt is a musician, has a project called Zen Zen. She's based out of New York. Um, Felicia Douglas. Yeah. Uh, Kristen oh, yeah. Slip in, in, in New York, part of Dirty Projectors, also has a project called Meadows and uh, plays with a band called Cuddle Magic. I like that name. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's a great title. Um, Those are good. I mean, again, I could go on and on recommending who else you should have. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm very yeah. grateful. Maybe, um, maybe your time's sake, I'll stop there. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for having me. It's lovely to talk to you. Thank you to people of all races, ages, genders, and galaxies for tuning in. My name is James Richard Lane. If you have any questions, feedback, or recommendations of who I should have on my show next, I'm on Instagram at James Richard Lane and Twitter, James Lane, Lane with two E's. Have a great week. And as always, please support your local animal shelter. Goodbye.